Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Kirsten Holder, and today I am joined by internationally acclaimed reading specialist, educational therapist, and author, Dr. Vicki Waller, to talk about identifying learning differences and motivating all kids to love learning. Thank you for being here, Vicki. Oh, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here and very excited about your magazine. It's a terrific magazine. Thank you so much. We have so enjoyed producing helpful tips for parents because it's hard enough as it is without help. So before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. For 40 years, Dr. Waller has been helping children with learning differences to read. She holds a bachelor's degree in education from Wayne State University, a master's degree as a certified reading specialist, and a PhD focusing on reading and learning differences from the University of Cincinnati. Dr. Waller has been awarded the University of Cincinnati's Distinguished Alumna College of Education Award. She is the author of the new book, Yes, Your Child Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences, in which she shares with parents, teachers, and therapists her proven techniques for motivating any child to love learning, overcome their particular challenges, and succeed in school, which is, of course, what we all want as parents. What are some key indicators that your child might have a learning difference, Dr. Waller? Well, there are a lot of early flags that pop up. And there's lately, understood.org just gave a statistic that got me very upset. One was that 48% of parents still think that their child is going to snap out of it if they have learning or attention or any kind of, they think, oh, they'll snap out of it. That's a huge number. And 33% of teachers think those kids are lazy. Now I have to tell you, let's hope we get this podcast to a lot of people to tell them it's, first of all, children are not going to snap out of it. Um, maybe you see early your child couldn't catch a ball like other kids their age. Maybe you couldn't sue them as a baby. Maybe you called them five times and they didn't respond. Although I find now with computers and iPads, you could call them a hundred times, they don't respond, but they're not responding to you. They're sort of in their own world and they're not meeting the growth milestones that you read in books or you see with other children, maybe crawling, walking, speech. Do you know, I actually said to a parent the other day, I think that your, your child has a lisp and with the lisp, it's when he goes to write a word, he's not hearing, saying the sound correctly. So when he writes it, he's not writing it. Like for that, he was writing D-A-T because he says duh instead of the T-H. The parent says, what are you talking about? I said, what? He said, he doesn't have any problems with speech. And I thought, oh, Vicki, you're thinking about the wrong child. Sure enough, I'm with the child the next day and he's got a, a significant speech impediment. I called the parenting and I said, why don't you listen to him again? Because you're used to the way he talks. They had no idea. And they went to a speech pathologist. He was tested. And of course, he's now in speech and he could say that instead of that. But things like that, that you're used to hearing and you just don't, you don't think about it because 
they've been talking like that for a while. Okay, maybe the fine and gross motor skills. And you think to yourself, oh, they're going to grow out of it, you know, or you have a child that's very quiet, not hyperactive. So if somebody says, oh, maybe they have attention issues, they go, no, they don't have attention issues. They're so quiet. Now, Stephen Henshaw has a new book out on girls with learn with attention issues. It's a it's coming out, I think, in September, but he was on a podcast with me at UCLA. And it's very interesting because I always get the girls coming to me because the parents say, well, they can have ADHD. I said, well, they're not H, they're not hyper. Mm -hmm. They're inattentive. They're in their own world <laughs> somewhere mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. So you have to see these early red flags and don't say, oh, they'll snap out of it because they're not going to snap out of it. Um, and this happens all over in the world. This, I met a man and he was from Turkey and I met him in Africa. I like animals, so I go on safaris. And he said his child is one of the finest violinists in Turkey, but he can't read. I said, well, maybe he has some learning issues. Have you ever had him tested? He said, no, but he's a genius on the violin. I said, right. But most of my children are not disabled. Mm -hmm. They have differences. And I have to tell you, in over 40 years, I don't think I've ever had a child that wasn't above average in intelligence. They're all really smart and they have the most interesting strengths that you could ever imagine, but you have to tap into them. And so that's what you have to look and see. Okay, is my child getting to these milestones? Is there something a little off that I'm not seeing? And always one of the parents says, oh, they'll snap out of it. And they're not going to snap out of it. Hmm. And that is a really good wake up call for some of us that think that it's just a phase oh, or something right. to grow through. What advice can you give for parents navigating the process of testing and assessment for a child that they suspect might have those early signals that you just talked about um, and finding the right professionals to help as well? The most important thing is finding the right professional, but navigating the testing and the assessments, I have to tell you, it's everybody's hysterical. Everybody's hysterical. The parents are hysterical. There's something wrong with my child, not realizing that if they have learning differences, I'm sorry, I'm saying it. They are probably very bright. They probably have so many interests. Mm. There's so many good points about them, but if you're called in, parents get called in and the principal wants to have them tested, okay? Find the person who's gonna be your advocate, either the learning specialist at the school, they're usually very good and they will help you through what does the testing mean? In my book, I tell you about the testing as far as you can go, you know, they might have you go to a neuropsychologist, they might have you go to a developmental pediatrician, I'm helping you with, number one, don't be hysterical in your house that you're testing the child. Mm -hmm. Just keep it between you and your partner. Talk about it. Say to the child, we're just going to do these. These um, You're going to go to a person that's going to help and see what you're really good at. Mm. Everybody is so hysterical before testing. The child goes into the test and the tester. I even have a step-by-step -step for the tester. The child walks in, don't start giving him this 20-page test. Mm -hmm. Find out what he likes. Oh, he likes Legos. Have a little Lego there for him to play with. Oh, he likes animals. Talk to him first about, oh, mom says you like animals. 
which animals are your favorite? There's words for the teacher, words for the tester, and words for the parents. If, you, if you're hysterical, then he goes into a person who's a doctor and he's going to see what your, my child said. One of the children said to me, they were testing my brain. <laughs> frightening. It is really frightening. My book has a chapter on how to handle that in your home and with the professional that you find. Usually the schools have really good lists of, of professionals that they've used and they will help you with that. So that's a good thing to do. Always make sure that you ask them. It's interesting, uh, just a quick story. I, all my stories are not quick, but I'll try to do a quick story. A child was at a special school. He was going to be tested. The mother calls me at 11 o'clock at night, an email. Now you get emails. I used to get calls. Help. I thought, oh my goodness, 11 o'clock at night. I called. What happened? She said, they tested my child these last three days. I said, but what are you talking about? He was on medication. The medication wasn't working. So the doctor took him off medication for three weeks. The school said, well, we're doing the testing now. I said, but the test would be invalid now because he wasn't on any medication. And he turned out he was zero on everything. I said, he isn't zero on everything. I called the school. I was their advocate. I called the school. I was trying to be very nice. I said, listen, did you know he was off medication? They said, yes. I said, well, I don't think then that the test was valid because you didn't even have him on the medication. Can you wait and retest him? They said, well, we don't usually do that. I said, I would really appreciate it because I was the advocate, not the mom or dad saying, what did you do? But the mm -hmm. advocate saying, I realize it was so important, but I'd really appreciate if you could get somebody to retest and then he got a better score when he was on medication. I mean, come on. Hmm. If, you know, if you're a parent, you have to be on top of it. And it's always good to have that person that's the advocate for you. I met a girl the other day. We were sitting at a table and she said, I have learning disabilities. She's 32 years old. I said, differences. And I said, what are you good at? She's this big, she um, dresses all the movie stars and she has a design sense. She said, I've had it since I've been five. I said, oh my goodness. She said, I, you know, I have to advocate for myself. She said, and all the years that I started learning to read, I had a second grade teacher who took me through high school. She was just this very bright woman who loved little kids, but she had a PhD in something. She, she said, she got me through she helped go to the teacher she helped me can you imagine 32 years old and she had a teacher that took her all the way through so it doesn't have to be somebody with a doctorate it doesn't have to be somebody with a master's degree it's that person knows education and knows your child and knows that they're bright my children are all bright and I'm not kidding they are I'm not kidding well, and I love even that perspective shift, not learning difficulties, but learning differences. We're all different. So why wouldn't we all learn differently? I just love even thinking about that in a different scope because it really changes the whole tone of the approach. They are not, I have never in over 40 years, and I've worked with kids with learning differences for over 40 years. I always, those are the ones I like the best. You know why? Because they're interesting and they're smart. I have a new boy and the mom came. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be telling you so many stories, but there's so many good stories, but it just happened. 
And I said, oh, what is he good at before I met him? And she said, what is he good at? Video games. And I thought, oh, every kid is good at video games. Okay. So he comes in and I had, I'm friends with the shark expert. Don't even ask. Anyway, Chris Fallows, and he was on Shark Tank for a million years. Uh, shark, um, shark Week, not Shark Tank, Shark Week. And I said, oh, you like sharks? He said, oh, yes, I know everything about sharks. I said, you do? He said, yes. And he started telling me, so well, let me fix you up with Chris. He's in South Africa. I met him. And I said, would you like to ask him questions? And we watched videos of Chris, which are unbelievable. He is known for getting the best shot of um, a shark in the water doing a dive and catching a seal. So that's wow. his, when you see that picture everywhere, it's Chris's. This child wrote, he dictated to me all the questions and we had an interview and the mother said, well, how could he read it? Well, he wrote it so he knew what he wrote. Yeah. So he, would, he knew because he's really smart and he interviewed this. I mean, the mother said she couldn't think of anything he did well because parents are so worried about what they can't do that they don't stop and say, mm. oh yeah, by the way, he's a shark expert. He's eight mm -hmm. years old. He's a he knew more about sharks than I knew, for sure. I mean, I didn't even know the questions he was asking. It yeah. was amazing, you know? And I think all of us, teachers, parents, we don't stop and see what the kids can do. That's why my book is, Yes, Your Child Can, because they can. And I do it because I've had experience. I can tell you that's the truth. Absolutely. I love that anecdote. Um, so what tips can you give us for advocating for a child at school? You you mentioned finding someone to be your advocate, because of course, it's so scary to go into those situations when you're not an expert, you, you have the emotional tie that this is my child, um, but you've also never been through this before. So you mentioned finding an advocate on your behalf. Um, but what are some other tips? And then also navigating the IEP and or 504 process. Do you have any tips right. there as well? My only tips are you have to find the person to help you. It's very difficult for a parent. Here's the story. When this child was in first grade and he loved the Titanic, he knew everything about the Titanic. And he was reading a book, a second grade book that's on the Titanic. And the teacher who is still teaching, heavens, I don't know how, she's still teaching. And she said, we're having a, 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 a day where you dress as a book character. And she looked at him and said, Josh, do not come dressed in anything from the Titanic. And the mother calls me hysterical and I'm ticked off because there's a second grade book on the Titanic. I said to the mother, you have a choice. You can go to the teacher yourself. She will not listen to you. You can go to the principal, but the principal will get the teacher in trouble. And I said, you have to make a decision of what you want to do, you know, because your child wanted to go dress like that. And the day came and I thought, oh, I wonder what happened at literary tea. And I called her. I said, oh, what happened at literary tea? I kept him home. I could cry thinking about mm -hmm. this. She kept him home because she knew if she bugged the teacher, the teacher is not a very nice person. That would be trouble. She went to the principal. The principal would get on the teacher. She kept him home. It was the April of the holiday of, I don't know how many years of the Titanic. She had a birthday party for him. We all dressed in Titanic clothes. 
you can't even believe this. I have pictures of it, which I meant I should put it on my Instagram because they were fantastic. She had a dinner for him. And then we all went dressed in the Titanic clothes to the movie Titanic. Mm-hmm. But this was a very difficult situation. And the same thing with your IEPs. Usually there will be somebody who can guide you. All the public schools have fantastic people. They can be the person who will guide you. What is it going to be like? What are the goals? Are they, what, how do we measure the progress when the child is working? Um, how will the school talk to me about it? You need a person to do it for you. I know parents get into it and they want to do it all. But then even like before school starts, all my parents want to write the teacher a note. I said, no, no, no. In August, the teachers are putting up the bulletin boards. I was a teacher. I know what it's like. Do not talk to them now. Write a little note. I have a child with some differences. In a couple of weeks, I'd like to have a meeting with you. That's all. Don't start filling their things because then they think, oh, no, I have a mother who's bothering me or a dad is bugging me. Mm -hmm. So have somebody there. Oh, IEP. I've been to a million meetings and the people there are fantastic. Find somebody to be your advocate to help you with it. That's great advice. Thank you so much. And along those same lines, how can parents appropriately and effectively involve their child in the process to ensure they understand any learning accommodations as they get older and understand how to even advocate for themselves as they get older as well? I think, first of all, being hysterical at home. And I, tr- I, I know you're, you know, the parents. Well, I just got a wonderful, it's on my Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, the mother wrote the most wonderful thing about how I changed her child. Her child was fantastic, believe me. But how it's, I gave her confidence. And the little girl said, Vicky said I was smart and Vicky would never lie to me. And it changed her whole, how she felt about herself. Um, You involve the child by telling them what they're good at. You know, right now, you know, it doesn't matter. The mother who came in and said she couldn't think of anything. Well, he likes video games because they're so upset that their child's not learning or the child hates school. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Try to help the children before you, you know, talk to them about it. Don't talk in front of them and, you know, tell, talk about what they're good at. My children, all of them, honest to goodness, I've never found, and this is, you're talking about thousands of children. I hate to say it, but I'm very old and I've had thousands of children. They all have something incredible, whether it's art, this child that came in a couple of weeks ago and the mom really couldn't say too much about what he could do, whatever. And he brought me, this is the, the shark kid, and he brought me a shark and there was a man in, um, in the East Coast who got swamped. He wasn't swallowed, but he got into the whale's mouth. He was a lobster fisherman last summer. And he, his story is so unbelievable that the whale ended up spitting him out. Okay, but he knew and he, this child interviewed him. And if I tell you, and again, you could see it on my Instagram, you could see the boy's face looking at the computer so involved and asking, he thought of the questions because I don't know anything about whales and sharks. He knew all of it and he was asking him questions. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's involving your children in things that they can do. Um, there was a teacher, a third grade teacher, and I thought she was sort of boring. I don't know. She sat in the front of the class, sort of barked out things. And she gave my third grade student um, his project. And she said, he's just studied strawberries. <laughs> and he came to me and he said, Dr. Waller, she told me I have to study strawberries. I said, do you like strawberries? He said, no, I never thought about it. He was an expert. Are you sitting down? Roller coasters. His oh. grandmother lived near the biggest roller coaster city in uh, Cedar Point, Ohio, I think it is. He knew everything about roller coasters. He was going to Cedar Point. He took a, a book and he had questions to ask all the people. This teacher, who I didn't love, when the mother went and said, do you think he could study roller coasters? She said, sure. I totally changed my attitude about that teacher. She was open, but she was just used to giving kids, you know, do strawberries, do trees. Mm -hmm. And he, it was amazing. And he even built a roller coaster. You have no idea what this kid oh could Oh my goodness. So what you have to do is do things that make the kids feel secure. Tell them, tell the teachers the strengths the child has and don't do it the first day of school. I have mm -hmm. to tell you that. Those are great tips. Well, and I love even the the shark anecdote and the roller coaster anecdote because I'm sure after the child is preparing that report, putting all these projects together, able to talk on it, the confidence that they build, you know, so you're trying to breathe confidence into them, but then they're showing off their skills and they, they get that natural confidence. How much more open to learning other things might they be now that they know they can master a subject? That you hit the nail on the head. It happened a couple weeks ago. My student who the book was definitely written about, he um, loved, he loved, well, he loved cooking and he loved a lot of things, but it's, we're Jewish and at Passover, the Jewish kids have to read in the Haggadah. Oh my gosh, my kids go crazy. I tell the parents, give them a paragraph ahead of time and let them practice because it's so, you go around the table and they're a wreck. So I remember 10 years ago, the dad writing me, I'm crying in the email. And I, I figured he, the kid didn't read at the Passover table. And I, I told the father, I said, what an interesting, do you remember this? He said, yes, but it wasn't that he read. I said, it wasn't. He said, no, Vicki, the reason that I wrote you because you gave him the gift of confidence, oh. the gift of confidence that he could do it. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about when you walk into a party and you always see like there's the really smart person, there's the rich person, but the person that sticks out is that person who maybe didn't go to Harvard, but they're interesting and they have confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting, this child now, he's still very quiet, but he's getting all A's. He's 17. He has confidence about what he can do was very interesting. That just happened too. So you're saying that confidence is right on. I love that. Yes. So how can parents help a child with learning differences, identify their passions and strengths, and use that knowledge to motivate and encourage their learning? And we kind of covered this with talking about subjects, finding the ones that they're really interested in, but do you have any other tips along this vein? No, that's mainly it. It's, I've had, the reason I was writing the book, I wrote the book about the one student and I went to an editor and she said, it's a great story, but it's about one, 300 pages about one student. 
how are you helping parents? And that's how I made my book be a step-by-step, like what to expect when you're expecting. That book is still out for people who are pregnant and every month what happens. And my book takes you through the positives, how to get through teachers, how to get through testing, Mm. all kinds of books and ideas for executive functioning and books your kid would like to read. And mainly, I mean, I talked about a lot of kids like horses. Uh, Look at this new thing I found. I don't know if this can show up. I just have to show you, okay? It's a place called Here With Us Animal Sanctuary. Here With Us Farm Sanctuary. I'm telling everybody who's listening to write to this place. You go online, you find an animal that you want to write to, you write to the animal, and the animal writes back. The best thing I've ever done. Now, I always send this woman money because she needs money. She has all these animals. It is the most fascinating place in the world and the most amazing woman who runs it, and she takes in disabled animals. So some of the animals are in wheelchairs. You know, they have chairs. I mean, it's, but it wrote back. And Emma wrote, and she said, I think you're adorable. Is that as big as you will get? I need you in my life. (laughs) I love animals and I love horseback riding. Write me back. And he wrote her back. He wrote her back. That's so sweet. Hi, Emma. Thank you for writing. And then he goes, and the animal writes back to the children. It's those kinds of things that get kids excited. And and you'll see most parents, if you sit down with them, besides, oh, my kid can't read and they're worried about it. They like whales, they like sharks, they like horses, they like animals, they like, I mean, I've had every kind of thing children love, and I just go with it because I'm learning about it too. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about, you know, lobster fishermen, I didn't know about any of these things, and the kids do it. Um, You just, there's all kinds of things that children like, and we have to find out what they like and what they can do. That's what we need to focus on. Absolutely. That is great to focus on. And whether or not our kids do have an identified learning difference, how can we as parents move from the mindset of identifying what is wrong with our children or where they struggle to focusing on what they're good at first? Because like you said, we're passionate, we want to get involved, but it's easy to kind of pinpoint and nitpick on those things that are so-called wrong. Um, and But that mindset shift that we've talked about so far helps our kids long-term. So do you have any tips on um, how we can remember to do that every day? Well, it's really hard. You have If you have a child with, you can, with any kind of learning differences or you're seeing or you're thinking they're lazy, please get them help early. Mm-hmm. If you get them help early and you realize what they can do, they can become successful. If you wait till they're in the eighth grade and they're already, you know, unhappy and, and whatever, you know, there was a story about a, a teacher at school that I was very close to. And I kept saying, you know, your child, he's not, he's very bright. And he grew up and got on drugs. It was very sad. And people think, oh, but kids, if they take medicine, they're going to get on drugs. Parents are wrong. If a child is given medicine for attention or learning differences, they grow up happy because they can succeed. Mm -hmm. They're not miserable that people are telling them. This boy was about 14. He kept saying, everybody says I'm smart, but I can't read. Well, because she never got him help. Mm -hmm. You have to get your child help. It's not going to go away. They're Mm -hmm. not going to snap out of it. 
And I really think that every child in the world has passions and strengths. And you have to find that. And you have, I think it's not that the parents don't know. It's just that they're worried about them. But then you have to do something and you have to get help. And the person you get is so important. One of the parents, I just talked to her, her child's going into ninth grade, he gets all A's now. So of course she thinks it's because of me, but believe me, it's not. She's a fabulous mother and did ever she did everything I told her to do. And she, I forgot what I was gonna say. She, you know, here he was so reluctant and so unhappy. And she did what she was supposed to do. And she got me to help as her advocate. She got him other help along the way when he got into high school and all that and followed his passions. And he's very successful. But if you do nothing, nothing will happen. So you sort of have to get out of yourself and stop being worried and go, wait a minute, if you read my book, you will see your child in it. And you're going to see that your child is very smart and can succeed. Yes, they can. I'm still a new parent, but the more that I learn and the more that I talk to experts like you, it's just so clear that so many issues or problems or challenges in parenting really shine a reflection back to you. And it is so interesting hearing you talk about, you know, that parents have to really shift our own mindset before we can help our kids, that we have to really put our emotions in check before we can find the best advocate for our children. Even though we want to help, we want to be the one that solves their problems and makes everything easy. Um, But it really does make you always look back and, and say, what am I doing? And is it the most helpful thing in this situation? And I think having an advocate, well, I think what opens parents' eyes if they're called into the principal's office about their child. And from that step, if they can find the advocate and, or the, and it doesn't have to, I have a doctorate. It doesn't have to be a person with a doctorate. Mm-hmm. It can be a good teacher, like the second grade teacher who so happened to be brilliant, but like second graders and took this 32 year old all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. And, and she taught her how to advocate for herself. This was interesting in college. She couldn't take written tests she only could take oral tests because I don't, I don't know what the reason was, but I mean, whatever it was, she advocated at USC, got honors because wow. she advocated for herself after her mother helped her, obviously up till that point. And she went in to the professor would say, I have this, would you give me an oral test? And she said, all these teachers were very happy to help her. Mm. She had to learn to advocate for herself. But we have to just open our eyes and start believing on what's right with our children, not what's wrong with them. And I know, I know I'm telling you that they will grow up and they will be happy if we think about what they can do, not what they can't do. And that is a great note for our last question. What is the key, the top piece of advice that you want parents to remember to raising kids who love to learn and will carry that trait with them throughout their lives? Find their passions and strengths. I've never, ever met a child that didn't have passions and strengths. And I'm not talking about, they are all on their iPads, but that even if it's Pokemon, Okay, I've been doing Pokemon, I think 30 years when Pokemon started. I teach children to read using the dictionary, the Pokemon dictionary. At the top, at the top of each name, it gives how to sound it out. So if you want to talk about long vowels, short vowels, blends, digraphs, they have it right in the dictionary. 
I teach the children to read using Pokemon. And now with Google, you just print out all the pictures of all, or you buy the dictionary, which I love. And you just say, okay, good. You love um, uh, Weedle, whatever his name is. It's two E's, long E. Okay, let's find other words. What, what did Weedle do? Did he feed somebody? And I use what they love. And so parents have to be more aware of what their kids can do and what are their passions and strengths. I'm telling you, my very favorite story is my student who came to me after I wrote the book and put it on my shelf because it was only about one child. Doorbell rings and there's this very tall guy outside. He's about 6'3", scraggly beard. And he goes, Dr. Waller, it's me. And I thought, what? I opened the door, I go, who are you? He goes, it's me, Dexter. I said, Dexter? Last time I remember Dexter, he was doing animated films with me in my classroom and he was directing everybody. And the principal of the school told the mother that maybe he would work at McDonald's when he grew up. And the mother said, I was his only advocate who kept telling her how brilliant he was and executive functioning at, a, at second grade level. He could do everything. He could plan things. He was amazing, but he couldn't read. And he came to me for reading. And he now said, I've come to you to thank you. I said, okay. He got, are you sitting down? McDonald's, right? Yale and Clark master's degrees. And he got a doctorate and he was going for a postdoc. I said, he said, you told me to find my passion. I said, so what's your passion? Are you sitting down? Trees. <laughs> I said, what, what, what does that mean? His passion is trees. And as he said now the other day, Dr. Waller taught me to read and now I write books. He writes books. Wow. He is one of the foremost experts on trees, the environment, planting the trees to do all the things it does. I don't even know what he even talks about when he talks. That was my, he could work at McDonald's. So you know what? Find your child's passion and could grow up to be a tree expert. I think yeah. that must be called something, but whatever, anyway. But that was find the passions and strengths of your children and get the help they need early. Don't keep putting it off and putting it off because it's not going to go away. Thank you so much, Dr. Waller. This was just such an informative talk and so full of compassion and understanding for kids in any situation and parents too, because this is hard. So we appreciate you giving us the step-by-step -step tips, but also kind of the perspective shift um, to really figuring out who our kids are and how to help them best. For our listeners, find more presentations by nationally renowned parenting experts like Dr. Vicki Waller through membership in the Modern Art of Parenting by visiting modernartofparenting.com to learn about membership. Memberships are just $19 a month or $199 for the year with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thank you everyone for listening and join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.